Radio Drama Revival is brought to you in part by Audible, who offer a free 30-day trial and free audiobook at audibletrial.com forward slash radiodrama. Audible boasts over 30,000 titles, including a whole ton of audio drama. That's why I love it. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash radiodrama. Thanks. And welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here is your news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I am your host, Fred, and that great theme music is by Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater. And uh, happy September, folks. And uh, September means it's a new month. We, we move on to a new theme for the show. Um, though I can't quite say what September's theme is yet, but let's get right into the audio. Uh, we're going to be featuring the latest installment in the Ruby series. Uh, now, if you recall back in April, I actually went out to meet uh, Tom Lopez. Tom Lopez, of course, the famous, or shall we say infamous, um, audio legend um, who lives in a uh, ex-commune um, in Fort Edward, New York. Um, he has produced all these wonderful Jack Flanders shows over the years, as well as Ruby. Um, principally, he's known for those two productions, though he's done a bunch of other uh, things over the years, um, binaural work, um, uh, mystery stories, uh, different um, series, these uh, quick, snappy noir um, pieces, two-minute film noir as of late, and other shows. Um, Ruby is just one of those shows that um, we talked to Tom and uh, just keeps coming back to, and Ruby 9, he told me, may be the last. Uh, we never, nothing's quite certain until the book is finished, but um, at this point, um, this may be the final Ruby, and um, he throws kind of um, out all the stops there's just um as always uh there's a, a wonderful vibe among the cast with these uh snappy quick with a dialogue um that sassy uh, main character the sassy actress who plays ruby and of course um luscious music from tim clark who worked with tom for many many years as well so um that all go- goes into it and there's this um strange um retro victorian element in it almost uh steampunk-esque uh, quality to Ruby, which um, has been another fun thing that Tom has been playing around with. Um, all is shoved into Ruby 9, Mask of the Red Moon. Um, so that's a brand new production. It's available at zbs.org um, for purchase. We're going to be featuring two parts of it today, two little chapters to give you a taste of it. Um, it is a crazy little story. Um, we've had the chance to listen to it, and it is wonderful. Um, lives up to all the previous rubies and goes beyond that. Um, so that's Ruby 9. Uh, in just a moment, uh, we'll be featuring two samples from it, as well as a revisit of our interview with Tom Lopez. Uh, but first, we are featuring more of The Cleansed. Uh, now, Cleansed is now into Episode 7, Episode 7, Part 1, is what we're going to hear today. Uh, again, this one has a little bit of spoilers. There has been something revealed in the story um, that uh, is out now. Um, so if you haven't been uh, following The Cleansed, um, you may just close your ears for the next uh, seven minutes or so. Um, and enjoy Episode 7, Part 1 of The Cleansed. Final Room Productions presents The Cleansed, Episode 7, The Trial, Part 1.
Luke. I'm not sure I can go on. Only you can tell this story, Luke. Maria, I... Right, let me just say it this way. Since I was a child, I, I always preferred to imagine a life in worlds far beyond the borders of our refuge. In worlds of trolls and elves, and of spaceships, of aliens. I always had my, always had my eyes set beyond the borders, and yet I never thought I'd cross them. I never thought that out there, instead of finding myself, I'd... Lose so much so quickly? Lose everything we had ever known. Like it was nothing. And, and Maria, tell me, what had we gained? Hi. Hi. Can we talk? Luke, I can't go on if we don't make up. Luke, please. Why, Maria? We had to. He talked you into it. Luke. Luke, I just learned something. Something big. You left me, Maria. Luke, please. You're the only person in all the world who I thought I could trust. He's my father. What? John. Mom just told me. But David is... Lies! Luke! They've been lying to me my whole life. I'm almost 16! No, Maria, that can't be, okay? David and Sam, they... Look, they were together since since the beginning. Well, do you remember? No. You blocked that all out. Yeah. So, it's possible... I never met John. I'm pretty sure of that. But... Before... I'm... John and Sam, they must have known each other before. Yeah, maybe. But... uh, Oh, Oh, Maria. Luke. I'm so, so sorry. Maria. I will never leave you again, Luke. Not for anyone. How did this happen so quickly, Maria? It's life, Luke. I asked for it. My, my whole life, all I ever wanted was adventure, and here it is. It's okay. I never thought it would be like this. It'll be all right. Maria, Maria, what's going to happen to us? We're going to change the world, Luke. <laughs> We're going to change the world. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, am I interrupting? No, no, it's okay. Uh, We were just talking. I was asked to summon you for dinner. Okay. Thank you. Huh? For saving me from that monster. Oh, you're welcome. I have never been so scared. It's funny, you know? What? When I turned 13, I was sent to take my first deer alone. I hit one in the afternoon, but he ran off. I tracked him all night, but had to give up at dark. That's when the koi dogs came. Yeah, we get them too. So you know they hunt in packs, right? Yeah. Kind of turned into what wolves used to be, I guess. And there must have been ten of them that night. The first came out of the shadows. 
The Alpha, I guess, to size me up. That's scary. But that's the thing. I always knew what the dogs would do. They would attack, or they would flee. It's all instinct. And they? After a few minutes, the Alpha turned and the others fled. They kept on hunting. And in the morning, I got my deer. Wow. So here's the thing. The Koi dogs I understood. They were animals. They were hungry. They made sense. But that man... He, he terrified me like nothing else. We're the worst animals of all, aren't we? Yeah. We sure are. Say, do you want to look around before dinner? Uh, sure. Um... Oh, come on. I'm curious. Sure, yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Well, let's head to the clearing. Ugh. Ugh. What the... Where am I? Hey! My God, it's a miracle! He doesn't look too happy. He's awake enough to scream, oh. and that's good. I don't mind letting him suffer a little. He's earned it. I may have something to help. John, can you hear me? Uh, vodka. <laughs> no vodka. You need your liver to be straight. Bull. I can see why people had trouble giving you medicine. Can I interest you in some of this? It's medicinal. That's what they said in the old days. <sighs> Very well. Suffer alone. I'll be back later. John, you awake enough to hear me? Sam. Don't think I've got any sympathy for you. You're feeling the pain you ought to feel, but just in case you were thinking of giving up the ghost, I've decided to give you one more reason to live. You got that? Hey, you with me? Yeah. I hear you, Sam. Good. Because you are a no-good son of a bitch, but you're my daughter's father. You understand? No. Yes, John. Yes, yes, yes. I thought you should know. Sorry. What? I said... Sorry. Thanks, John, for what it's worth. Nothing changes, I don't think. But I thought you should know. Okay. Okay, good. We've reached an understanding. Sam, it's time for us to take it. I've said my piece. What? It's time to pay the piper, John. Sam, no. You are the first to ever face a trial, John, which is certainly more than you gave our people. More than he deserves. Come on, help me out. Oh, oh, Sam! Wait! Sam! Sam! Podcast.
version of The Cleansed. To hear the rest of this episode in its entirety and uncut, visit www.thecleansed.com. You can purchase the entire director's cut for $1.99. Also see a full cast and crew list, exclusive behind-the-scenes video, character sketches, and more. Again, that's www.thecleansed.com. Or catch us next week for another free installment. New episodes of The Cleansed will go up on this podcast for free each Friday from March through October 2012. Those are available at thecleansed.com, finalrune.com, and radiodramarevival.com. The Cleansed is a Final Rune production. Find more free audio stories at www.finalrune.com. That's F-I-N-A-L-R-U-N-E.com. And that was The Cleansed, Episode 7, Part 1. Um, as I said, thecleansed.com for more of that show. Now we are uh, preparing just on Saturday of this week to be going out to Alfred, Maine to start recording Season 2 of The Cleansed on location at Wolf Pine Farm in Alfred and uh, trying to raise some funds to uh, get our productions going, um, pay the actors, cast, crew, all these scripts have got to get printed, that sort of thing. Um, it's a Kickstarter campaign. The Kickstarter uh, link will be up at the Radio Drummer Revival show notes. I uh, really would appreciate it if you, um, as a thoughtful listener of Radio Drummer Revival, um, choose to help uh, fiscally support our works as well. Even as little as $5 gets you um, a what we call a season pass to season two, uh, which means that you're going to get links to the um, downloads that we would otherwise offer as a paid download, um, usually at $3 a pop uh, for 5 bucks donation now. Um, you'll get a season pass for all of season two. So that will be uh, kind of a nice perk, but really uh, just trying to um, see if you guys are listening and if you are willing to help us step up and, and support the work. Um, all kinds of good prizes as well, a digital box set, a physical box set, um, as well as original artwork, the actual original pieces of art, um, um, ink drawings, um, going to be giving out to um, some some big Kickstarter donors. Um, the Kickstarter uh, links will be at RadioDrummerRevival.com. Um, moving on from the solicitation and on to our show today, Ruby9, um, we're going to start with a piece called City of Lost Illusions. So, once again, Captain Stokey lowered his wicker basket. I climbed in and was drawn up into the Gypsy Queen, which happens to be a very small Zeppelin, or Gypsy Zepp. They take people to places no one else will go. In my case, it was to the quarantine city of Aberdeen, Dundee, the city of lost illusions. Why did they all leave? Maybe they believe living in the catacombs will slow the effects of the plague. You think it's in the air? I hope to find out. You'll be collecting samples. I would like you to collect some, too. You want me to fly back and forth, scooping up the air? That's right. Very well. Tell me, how effective are these ray guns? It depends on the type. There's the annihilator, the combobulator, the ionizer, and then your whole subgroups of aether oscillators and dark matter particle smashers. But that one ye beholden, that be called a wave disruptor. And what will it do? Depends on the setting. It'll stun. At close range, it will eradicate. That's nice. The disruptor be good for a few rounds, then the rays begin to thin. And the number of rounds depends upon the strength of the setting. Aye. What is the range? Again, depends. A hundred yards? God, no. It's more for scaring than destroying. You seem to know a thing or two about weapons. Not this type. Well, may as well settle back. We have a bit of a voyage before us. And so I settled back, enjoying the view from the gypsy zeppelin. It was a beautiful moon. 
I don't mean the ones up there somewhere. I mean Victoria Moon, the one we were flying above. My name is Kapoor, Rodant Kapoor. I am part of a team sent to find what is plaguing this moon. It is what they call very, very retro. Someone had an idea for a future that never was. It's like what if was made into what is, and the never was now is. But let's hear more about me. I am the proprietor of Chez Rodant. Everyone who is or was anyone comes to Chez Rodant. They come in fancy dress, Victorian suits and coats and top hats if you're a man. And if you're a woman, there's frills and fancy hats and feathers and lace. Of course, some men also wear frills and laces, too. <laughs> Last night in Chez Rodant... I saw the Prime Minister, Sir Humpty Dumpty, greeting an important-looking man. His name was Burdick. I say, Bartholomew, old boy. Oh, I say, Humphrey, how are you? And they gave each other a peculiar handshake, like fingers wrapped over thumbs, knuckles in the palms, elbows nudging each other. They sat down, and they spoke very low and kind of shifty-eyed. And even with my keen little rodent ears, I couldn't make out a word. So the next day, I asked Andor to make me a bug, and I hid it in the lamp on Dumpty's private table. And that night, when Humpty Dumpty waddled back in, <laughs> welcome to Shea Rodant, Mr. Prime Minister Dumpty. Dumpty! Dumpty! That's a Humphrey Dumpty, damn it! When Lord Burdick arrives, show him to my table. Yo, Humpty Dumpty waddled away, and soon Lord Burdock joined him, and it was all good cheers and slaps on the back and jolly-ho this and that, and then, then, they got down to sneaky business. Oh, we won't sit. How many will it hold? Thousands. Do we have that many? We do. Is that space? Do you want to see? I do. I'll arrange it. And that was it. Very, very suspicious. As I was being lowered in the wicker basket to the rooftop below, I slipped on my gas mask. I'd brought along canisters for gathering air samples. The plague wasn't a virus, at least not one we could detect. But there may have been something in the air... Or maybe it was connected to the masks they wore, though I couldn't figure out how. The wicker basket stopped just short of the rooftop. I strapped on the wave disruptor. It was heavy, like it was made out of cast iron. I don't know how you could hit anything beyond a few meters, but if they were that close, you may as well slug them with it. It was beginning to turn light when I climbed down from the rooftop and stood in the street. There was no one about. It was a pathetic-looking place. The parks were neglected. The fountains were dry. The trees lining the wide boulevards were dying. Must have been a nice place in its glory days. Seeing it now was enough to make anyone depressed. I pumped air into a canister. I labeled it. I moved on. I stopped, took another sample, and headed for the catacombs. That's when I heard the sound. I thought it was the Gypsy Queen, but 
the sound wasn't the same. It had to be a Zeppelin, but it was too dark to see. That was okay. If I couldn't see them, I figured they couldn't see me. I found the steps that led into the catacombs below. There were lights flickering down there, so they had some kind of power. Still, it was dank, dark, depressing, and disgusting. People were curled up on the stone floor or sitting against a wall or just standing there. And, as before, they all wore the mask. A strange, sad face of despair. No one seemed to notice me. And I was noticeable, looking like a bandito with a bandolier of brass canisters across my chest, along with a ridiculous-looking Buck Rogers ray gun strapped to my waist. And of course, my face covered by a gas mask, but, like I said, no one noticed, no one cared. Or, so I thought. My name is Teru. I too was incognito. Passing myself off as a wacko scientist by the name of Farking Footfoots. I had received a commission from someone who called himself the Coochie Man. He owned an upscale juke joint called the Hoochie Coochie Club. He wanted a submarine assembled. He brought the blueprints to me. It looked like something designed by Jules Verne, except it had even more armaments. He had all the parts. All we had to do was stick it all together. I figured Andor would help, but Andor was busy with his damn circus. Andor was also incognito. He had taken the name of Professor Carking Cowputter, the owner of Carking Cowputter's Traveling Coronation Circus and Mechanical Menagerie. Yeah, he had taken on quite a mouthful. Excuse me. Hello. Foots, Foots, Limited, Fucking, Speaking. It's me, the Coochie Man. Well, oh, Mr. Coochie Man, you are undoubtedly inquiring about your submersible. Yeah, how's it going? I'm happy to report the red herring is being assembled while we speak. Hold on a moment. Will someone please bang something? You hear that? That sounds good. I'm coming by tomorrow. See how it's progressing. I'm afraid there's not much to see, Mr. Coochie. We're still assembling the hull. Oh, and by the way, where are my armaments? They're taking a little longer to acquire. I see. I might inquire. This is all legal, of course. Oh, oh yeah. Don't you worry about that. Yes, well then, uh, why don't you come by later in the week? Will that do? Mm, that's cool. Righto. Where is he finding all the parts? Maybe he's taking apart someone else's sub and sending it over piece by piece. Then why doesn't he just steal the whole thing? Who knows? Maybe the door's too small. Why does he want a submarine? I ask myself the very same question. What does Mr. Coochie have up his sleeve for his red herring? That is a strange name. It does sound a little fishy. I say, old chap, do you know the origins of the expression red herring? No, boy, I can't say I do. Red herring comes from the sport of fox hunting. Really now, by Joe. Yes, a dried smoked herring, which of course is red in color, was used to train the hounds. Yeah. The smelly herring was dragged across the trail of the fox to throw the hounds off the scent. My word. And that is the origins of the red herring. I say, jolly good. Well, I must run. Toodaloo. Tell you. Pip, pip. Right, sir. I 
I'd gathered air samples and was headed to the steps leading up out of the catacombs when I saw the woman I had met the last time I was here. Even though I was wearing a gas mask, she knew who I was. Where is your face? My face is behind this mask. Why are you stealing my air? I'm taking a sample. Put it back. I'm trying to help you. Put it back. It's stale anyway. She is stealing your air. Hey, calm down. Stop her. She is stealing your air. Stop her. Stop her. People were starting to stir. They were shuffling toward the stairs. They began to form a wall of human bodies. They all wore the same sad face. There was no way I could push my way through, so I figured now's a good time to try the disruptor. I set it on stun with a 90-degree spread. That ought to clear a path. I flipped off the safety. I squeezed the trigger. It worked. I stepped over the bodies and headed up the stairs. But there were more of them. Lots more. They were pouring out of the catacombs. God knows where they were all coming from. It was light out now. I climbed up the fire escape and onto the rooftop. I looked at my watch. I still had 20 minutes until our rendezvous. Down below, I could see the moaners flowing out of the catacombs like masked rats pouring out of a sewer. They were running, but in slow motion, as though the air was so thick they had to swim through it. But still, they were coming. I had no idea how many zaps were left in that ray gun. I aimed up in the sky and fired off a couple. Captain Stokey was up there somewhere. I hoped he would see it. They were climbing up the fire escape. I set the gun for maximum disrupt and blasted the wall brackets that held the metal stairs. The fire escape broke loose, swayed away from the building, taking about a dozen moaners with it. It collapsed out in the street. But that didn't deter them. They began to build a human pyramid. It was fascinating to watch. They worked together so smoothly. It was as though they had a group mind. When the pyramid got high enough to be a threat, I'd zap and watch them tumble down over each other. Only to see them get back up and start all over again. They were persistent. I will say that. My ray gun had lost its zaps. It was down to a trickle, a kind of wobbly, wavy beam that was more like a tickle. That's when the basket appeared out of the blue. The gypsy queen was hovering overhead. As I climbed in, someone grabbed my foot. I slugged him with the ray gun. As he fell back, I grabbed his mask and yanked it off. The basket gave a jerk and up we went. I looked down. The rooftop was carpeted with moaners. Their arms were raised, still reaching out for me. What did I learn from all this? Catacombs are not very pleasant places to visit, especially those you'll find beneath Aberdeen Dundee, the city of lost illusions. All right, the <laughs> city of lost illusions from Ruby Nine. Uh, we got back to back here. We also have the Hoochie Coochie Club uh, in a little sample. We were chugging out of the mountains and into the foothills. That damn 
Black Zeppelin was back again. Not that it had ever gone away, but they weren't just matching the speed of the train. They were now closer than ever. I figured they planned to blast away at me with some kind of weird rays. I'd been moving along the side of the train. It was pulling about a hundred cool cars. They don't call it coal here, they call it cool. It looks like coal, maybe a little more purplish, but it still comes in lumps. The Black Zeppelin was getting awfully close. They had unwrapped something shiny and was pointed at me. We were in the open now. I edged around the side of the cool hopper. The Zeppelin seemed to move with me, and then they opened up. Is that some kind of Gatling ray gun? They're spraying the whole damn train. I never thought this was how it would end, my being sizzled by some stupid ray gun. That's when I decided it was time to get the hell off the train. The Hoochie Coochie Club was a cabaret down on the waterfront. It was built on a pier that jutted out into the harbor. When I stepped inside, I felt like I was stepping back into some black and white movie that was set in old Berlin. Up on the stage were a line of long-legged fishnets stockinged hot hoochie coochie girls wearing high heels, top hats, and very little else. I had dressed for the occasion. I was wearing my Burberry trench coat and my favorite bogey fedora. I felt right at home among those little pink tushies and their hoochie hoochie coochies. The number ended, the girls scooted off the stage. I leaned back against the bar and took in the terrain. The bartender came over. What did you have? Bourbon, straight. Is that all? Well, I wouldn't mind one of those long-legged cuties. Which one? How about the blonde with the bob cut? That's Lulu. I'll get her. A minute later, the bartender set down my bourbon. Just as I was about to take a sip, a satiny blonde slid down on the seat next to me. Hello. Wie geht es Ihnen? I'm fine. How about you? Ich bin gut. Danke. My name is Taru. TJ Taru. My name is Lulu. Just Lulu? Just Lulu. Yeah, I like that name. But you know, you look a little femme fatalish. Are you Lulu? <laughs> Femme fatale? <laughs> Nicht, nein, nein. How ah, bad. Listen, sweetheart. When I said the code word sweetheart, Lulu gave a little shiver. She closed her eyes. We cannot speak here. Meet me at Café Bilderbuch. Midnight. Where's that? On Akazienstraße. Midnight, all right? On a Katzenstrasse. All right. Midnight. Good. I will see you then. Yeah. Sure. See you later, sweetheart. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Victoria Moon has some pretty weird trees. Some of them do look like trees, you know, branches, leaves, that sort of thing. But most of them are prickly looking like some giant cacti, don't screw with me kind of tree. They grew about 100 feet high, and that's where we were headed, right into the forest of those strange cacti trees. 
The train was headed up another grade. I figured now's a good time to hop off. I landed running, and I kept running. I was doing my best to present a moving target. The black zap was following right behind, still trying to riddle me as I zigzagged through the forest of giant cacti. But most of their gatling zaps were getting hung up in the branches above. Those trees were really tough. They had skins like steel. The black zap would have to get a lot closer to get me. And that's what they were doing, dropping down just above the treetops so they could spray the whole damn forest if they had to. And then I noticed something above them. I'd forgotten all about them. Apparently they had too. It was Captain Stokey and the Gypsy Queen. I didn't know what he was trying to do. He was no match for the Black Zep. If they saw him, they'd fry him on the spot. But they were so intent on sizzling me, they didn't see the Gypsy Queen settling down on top of their gas bags. As the Black Zep descended just above the treetops, they must have seen there was another Zeppelin above them, pushing them down. They were trying to get their guns pointed up at the Gypsy Queen, but the Black Zep's gas bags were in the way. They'd have to shoot their own bags to get to him they had stopped trying to sizzle me, so I stopped running. I decided this was worth watching. It started with a kind of ripping and some faint shrieks as the black zet was slowly torn apart by the cacti trees. I doubt those trees felt emotions, at least not like we do, but I figured somewhere in their sap they were feeling some satisfaction. They tore that sucker apart. As the gondola was ripped to pieces, their weapons came raining down through the branches. I started running again. At the edge of the forest, the Gypsy Queen and a smug Captain Stokey were hovering there waiting for me. Here's someone's planning something big for the coronation, Lulu. Yeah, very big. What's it gonna be? Royal coronation balls. Royal coronation balls? Hmm? What's it gonna be? An assassination? <laughs> no, nine. No bombs? Nine. No zaps? Nine. No boom? Nine. Then what? Deep pest. The pest. Yeah. The plague? Mm-hmm. You mean the plague that turned Aberdeen Dundee into the city of lost illusions? Yeah. And they're gonna unleash it here at the Royal Coronation Ball. Yeah. <laughs> Diabolical. How do you know this? I overhead. You overhead? I overhead Fuji. Who? Fuchs. Fook the fox, huh? Mm. You mean Burdock? Yeah. Who was he talking to? Der Premier Minister. Prime Minister Humpty Dumpty? Humphrey Dumphrey. The little Kapoorian was right. Bartholomew Burdock and Humpty Dumpty are in it together. So, tell me, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, you like it when I call you a sweetheart? Ooh, yeah. I could spend the rest of my life doing that. So tell me, Lulu, uh, how do they plan to release the plague? I not know. But it will happen during the royal coronation ball. Yeah, that circus. You mean 
carking cow putters, traveling coronation, circus and mechanical menagerie? Ja, wenn der Zirkus perform, ja. When the circus perform, yeah. That's when they'll release the plague. Today, the city, tomorrow, the moon. They plan to infest the entire moon? No, no, not everyone, no. Oh, yeah, sure, not Burdick or Humpty Dumpty. But what about you? Will you be among the saved? I think not. This is why you I tell. You're telling me to save your own skin. Do you like my skin? I'll get to that later. Look, Lulu. See what you can find out about this circus infestation. Yeah, und dann? What are you doing tonight? It is now night. So, what are you doing? No, I must go. Can't you spare an hour or so? No, no. You sure about that, sweetheart? <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Or as Kapoor would say... <laughs> All right, and that was Hoochie Coochie Club from Ruby Nine, Mask of the Red Moon. Uh, we've been talking up Ruby Nine since we first got wind of it back in April from Tom Lopez himself. You can now purchase this production at zbs.org. Um, but before we uh, wrap up today, I want to revisit our interview with Tom Lopez. This was a pretty long, hour-long interview, but we're just going to sam- um, feature a small sample of uh, when he was talking about Ruby Nine. It's interesting about Ruby. I mean, the, you know, the two big series, you know, Jack Flanders and Ruby are you know they're both zany in their own ways yet they are very 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 different things and and people like i for one just with my love of field recording am fascinated by the soundscapes of jack flanders and the exotic landscapes yet ruby you know ruby is a very different series you know and that you know because it's this larger than life science fiction kind of world and i guess you talk a little bit about you know picking you know putting yourself in those different worlds like what you know what is it that you find fun about working on a new Ruby compared to a, a Jack Flanders series in terms of the sound and that sort of thing? Yeah, it's because it's so different. Uh, it's it's, a, it's like okay, I've done you know because most of these things are uh, you know things like the, the Fourth Town of Inverness that that was six and a half hours and and Moon of Morocco's ten hours, and uh, when you finish. It's like okay, I don't want to do any more. Of the, I need to do something different. Yeah. Uh, likewise, Ruby, uh, Ruby, three is like ten hours, I think, and and Ruby four is like eight hours, and and then let's do some Jack Flanders. You know? Yeah. I need something totally different, and yeah. and and they are two different spaces as as far as I'm concerned, and and one. With Flanders, it was going around to different countries and gathering mm-hmm. ambiences, and then seeing what I have, and then writing a story so that I could use these different uh, soundscapes that, mm-hmm. that that I'd recorded, and 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 write scenes that took place in, in mm-hmm. the, the, these different locations. Uh, and um, and with Ruby, it's there. The locations are really quite secondary. Yeah. That that. Tim Clark, who does the music, he really creates the, mm. the feeling with with kind of nonstop music is what's going on there. Yeah, yeah, and you know another thing that I think is uh, somewhat uh, ahead of the times 
is is like the, the short format segments you know like today people be like oh that's podcasting the way that you would have you know the little chunks uh you know mm-hmm. of the of the dramas that ended up being it's a 10-hour program yes and and you can buy it if you download it today you're going to hear it as a 10-hour program but that was not how people most people originally heard it yeah no they with with uh the fourth tower it was like uh seven minute episodes and then on um on the weekend, that then you got to hear the full half hour, mm-hmm. and uh, likewise, Mood of Morocco was like twelve-minute episodes, and and then they were put together into one hours for stations that mm-hmm. didn't want the dailies. They, they were day; these are daily episodes, and yeah. and Ruby was three minutes a day, mm-hmm. and and only by chance, there were certain stations, uh, KCRW in mm-hmm. in Santa Monica. Okay, it was a great station to be on. But they didn't. They wouldn't take a daily. Mm-hmm. So I said, "Oh, okay." And I never thought of Ruby as being anything but a daily three-minute episode. So then I just said, "Okay, well, I'll put it together into half hours for them." Mm-hmm. But the music, every episode starts with a recap. Okay? Yeah. Now, which Ruby, being a detective, it, you know the genre is that it's usually voiceover. Mm-hmm. situation where the detective sets the scene mm-hmm. and 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 when I was writing it I said okay you know like how am I going to do a recap of something that's that's going on for 13 weeks right I mean how, yeah. how do, and then I realized and and also too Ruby was put together with talking to uh the audience research people or his name was Tom Church at the time at uh, NPR hmm. And I said, okay, I want to do this series, and and uh, I'm thinking of something of like five minute daily. And he says, no, no, too long, you know. And he says, Maybe <laughs> too long, like, like two minutes or something like that, you know, yeah. to, or three minutes or so. And I said, okay, well, all right. And and I said, um, but it's going to be continuing stories. Oh no, no, two strikes against you. He said, he said people are only going to be listening, catching an episode now and then. Mm-hmm. I said, well, okay, what if I have a little recap at the beginning yeah. so that you wouldn't have to have heard. You know, mm-hmm. so it sets the scene up, and uh, and he said, "Okay, that's 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 good." And uh, he says, "When are you when are you going to air it?" And I, I said, "No, what do you suggest?" And he said, "Drive time, people going to and coming from work," and that's what we call the drive time radio drama. And that's actually when stations played it, and some you know some both go mm-hmm. morning and 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 afternoon, but um, but what was interesting that happened, and I realized that all I had to do with in terms of recap. It didn't matter anything else that happened before. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't matter. All you needed was what was to set you up so you would understand what you were about to hear. Right. Not what happened. You don't have to do a recap. Just says, okay, this is this is where I am, and and so that you could say, okay, here we wait, and then the things that would happen. You know, if there was a reference to a character, an ongoing char- character other than Ruby. You know, you would uh, you you would set that up, and so the recap was one or two sentences at the most. Well, what happened was when it was put to, together at half hours because the music had, was already <laughs> mixed into it. I could not cut the recaps out. So every three minutes it recaps. Okay, now yeah. now you would think <laughs> you would think that this would be a problem, but no, because the genre is that that the, uh, with, the, with the detective keeps... sets always steps in and sets things up. I mean, yeah. that's the way it is in, with often with film mm-hmm. and certainly in the tradition of radio detective stories, you know, the, mm-hmm. the blah, 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 blah. So, so what, but what, 
one of the most positive things that, that I never could have anticipated was it was the most popular thing we'd ever done. And the reason is the, the problem with radio drama is, you know, half hour, mm -hmm. one hour programs, whatever, is no one tunes in at the beginning. I mean, it, we're, we're talking about radio now, not, yeah. not internet, okay? Yeah. And you just you would just catch it. So the problem with radio drama always suffered from was that somebody you know came across it, sounded Midway interesting, you started listening, but it was really hard to know what was going on. So if so, unless you really kind of liked the form, you would then listen for a couple of minutes and then you know tune into a different station. Well, with Ruby, every three minutes told you where you were. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just by chance we were recapping the thing. Yeah. So you could so if you so if you could last the three minutes or one minute or some whatever it was until until the next recap happened. You get caught back up. Yeah. And you could be boom right there. And yeah. it wasn't like you had to figure out, okay, what has happened because you know, when you're doing a normal half hour story, you can't just keep stepping in an hour here, an hour here. But there yeah. you could. Yeah. yeah. And it's so fun. So it's I mean, is it uh, how does it feel to be coming back to Ruby? I mean, you've done some other stuff. You did the the steampunk Jack Flanders stuff, as well as the Lady Windermere things. Um, you did the two minute film noir, the two minute horror stuff, and so it's been a little while since a, a Ruby production. Right? It has been, yeah. I, it's um, it's got it's got a little steampunk in it. Yeah. Uh, it's got a little, little Lady Windermere in it, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and what it is is uh, since Lady Windermere was was the same actors that I use in Ruby, mm -hmm. only they were doing, you know, these sort of fake in, in, English yeah. accents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, to, to some of them fairly competently and some not so competently. But that's part of my writing. Part of the, yeah, it's part it's of the a, joke. You know, yeah. and, uh, uh, but so in this case, they, they switch back and forth. They're mm -hmm. actually on a, on a moon mm -hmm. that is a kind of futuristic retro uh, uh, steampunk Victorian, mm -hmm. you know, uh, moon mm -hmm. a society that's been set up, and so they have to go incognito. But they're Ruby and Teru and Kapoor and so on. Yeah. And the only one that doesn't go incognito because because the guy that's doing the techie is called his name's Andor, which is really based on Bob Lecky who built the studio there. And, <laughs> and and it was through Bobby that I learned about Tesla. And you know Tesla right. has now become. And you know this is when Ruby came out of 1981 or something. And, and Tesla is like part of it. <laughs> yeah. And it's really an homage to Tesla. That's the digital circus was yeah. they, they paid homage to uh, Tesla. So they, they do some of the Lady Windermere and they switch mm -hmm. back and forth between their normal and also pretending to be uh, the, these other people. And, yeah. uh, and it's like old friends. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's very, I like the idea of once you've, once you have characters that, that, you know about the mm -hmm. kind of are living in you and you 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 you're using the same actors and mm -hmm. you know other other actors too but but for the main characters so you can hear their voices yeah. so yeah. it makes writing so much easier and uh and it's kind of like a big party that's getting together i mean the first ruby was i guess about 81 so and mm -hmm. there's such a joy working with them you know they're like old pros that have been around for a long time well, great. Well, Tom, thanks so much for taking the time. And, uh, you know, there's such a huge catalog on your website, zbs.org, plus the new stuff you're coming up with. And, you know, maybe people who are hearing Ruby 5 here are going to go back and hear earlier Rubies and then uh, hopefully stay around to listen to Ruby 9 and uh, just enjoy kind of the, the, the whole history. You know, 19, 
81 to 2012 is what a great run for, for, for the characters. So uh, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you. And that was the inimitable Tom Lopez, ZBS.org, to check out the actual show Ruby 9, which is now available. Um, Tom has uh, all sorts of other things. If you've been to ZBS.org, it is a great uh, source of all sorts of material. In addition to uh, Tom Lopez's own, there's a, a, some of our other friends are up there. Our RRCA, Radio Repertory Company of America, has got their shows listed. Roger Gregg is there. Our friends at Audio Comics Company are listed, and some other good shows. ZBS.org uh, for a nice little sample of what's out there in Audio Land, and of course, to pick up Ruby 9. So, um, anyways, we'll be having more good stuff coming out to you this week, um, this this month of September, as we uh, are sort of in this transition phase before we get into all of our horror programming. So, uh, kind of try and mix it up and, and give you some uh, thing, different things, things I haven't been able to feature earlier in the year, um, now through uh, beginning of October, when we're back with our uh, October and November will all be horror featured programming um so stay tuned here to radio drum revival over 200 hours of audio drama programming at radiodramarevival.com if you just can't wait um dig through our archives there you can also follow the audio drama news um hit us up at twitter at radio drama search facebook for our page radio drama revival or on itunes just look for radio drama revival and if you'd be so kind leave us uh, a link or a review or um, anything that you can share with your friends if you can't physically support the show uh tell other people about it that is really awesome too we appreciate it. Um, and on that note, uh, we are going to wrap for this week. Radio Drama Revival is produced by yours truly, Fred Greenhalgh. Copyright of individual shows remains that are original producers, but do please share this show as far and widely as you'd like. Radio Drama Revival originates in on-air radio at WMPG-FM, Southern Maine's community radio. This podcast at radiodramarevival.com is a labor of love. Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week.